those of you who don't know, my name is Luke Babby. I'm seeing familiar faces, so that's good. I am the guy who was pranked. Um, if you guys thought that was funny, taking my car and moving it around, like, it's not. So for those underclassmen, don't touch my car, okay? This, just don't do it. Um, but my Cove guys are great. I am the middle school director here at Christchurch. I'm on staff. Um, I have the opportunity to teach two middle schoolers like three times a week, and I love it. Um, if you guys are interested in Cove, let me know. I, I'd love to, to give you more of um, the rundown on what, what we do there. But um, I also am involved at CHIG. I, I, I'm involved with the freshman guys. I, I lead them in small groups, and, and I love doing that. I'm a little bummed that we don't have that today, but, but that's okay. I'm super happy that you guys are here today. I'm super jacked right now, just in general. I'm stoked. I've never been more excited over a Bears loss in my entire life than today. As you guys know, or maybe not know, it's okay if you don't, but the Bears lost by over 20 points, or like just about 20 points today by the Packers, which is fine because we still made the playoffs. You know, the the Cardinals lost. So we are in the playoffs. We are alive. And the way I see it, four, like four weeks from now, like a month from now, we're going to be in the Super Bowl. So uh, who's with me? Bear down. Let's go. I'm super excited. Um... I couldn't be happier. And, and along with that too, I'm always super excited and nervous to share with you guys at Shig to talk. Um, I, I felt very convicted at, at a young age to commit my life to ministry, to study scripture, and then teach, teach it to congregations, to teach it to youth right now. So, so to be in a youth group and, and, and teach what the Bible says. Because I think it has a lot of important things and I think it's changed my life in a lot of ways and I think it has the power. I know it has the power to change everyone's life here today. And so that brings us to our series that we've been going over the past few weeks, and we are going to be looking at it for the foreseeable future. It's going to be a 16-week series on the book of Mark. And you might ask, why 16 weeks? Why so precise? Mark is exactly 16 chapters long. Mark is a gospel, um, and so there's four books in the Bible that are gospels. And what a gospel essentially is, is an account of Jesus's life. So it's a book written to kind of tell you what Jesus did in his life. He lived on this planet as a man for around like 33 years, and he had a ministry for about three of those years. And these books, these four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, account for those, for, for, the, for that story. And they, they have different perspectives and, and whatnot. So that's what we are doing this week and for the foreseeable future, we're going to be covering the book of Mark. So the last time we were together, Siler talked on Mark chapter 4, which is a few weeks ago now, um, and this week we're going to talk about Mark chapter 5, and guess what we're going to talk about next week? Mark chapter 6. Nice try, but yeah, so Mark chapter 6. So for those of you that would like to, who like to do their homework beforehand, feel free, we actually encourage you to read along with us, read beforehand the chapter that we're going to discuss. And normally we'll have small groups where you guys will be able to um, discuss what you have read and discuss what you have been taught during the session, during the teaching session. So today we're going through Mark chapter 5. But before we open up scripture and, and read what this chapter has to tell us about Jesus, um, I want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever been in a place where you have felt totally alone? Maybe um, physically you were just like alone, like no one was around you for an extended period of time and you got scared. Um, or maybe you were, in a, you were in a problem or dilemma and people that normally are there weren't there. Or maybe you were in a situation where the people that are normally there, you were in contention with, you had tension with, and you, and you couldn't, um, you, you didn't have anybody with you and you felt like an outcast. Have you ever felt like an outcast before? 
I want to ask you that question because I think that most of you probably have experienced loneliness at some point in your life. And what's really cool is today we're going through Mark chapter 5, and I think that there's a couple stories in here that really kind of come at what Jesus does when he encounters an outcast. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna explore some of these stories and, and look how Jesus responds. And so if you guys, if you guys have your Bibles or your phones, um, pull up Mark chapter 5 because we're going to be in that all night. And I'm going to do my best to cover everything in Mark chapter 5, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to hit everything. And I'm probably going to miss a couple of things. And if you guys have questions or anything, feel free to reach out to me, Siler, any your small group leaders. We'd love to discuss what, what we're missing here or, or clarify anything that you, you might want to be, need, need to be clarified. And that's why we encourage you to also read um, beforehand, just so that you guys can see everything that's, that's, in, these, um, that's, that's in these chapters. So, we're going to start in verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Okay, so I'm going to stop right here and give a little bit of explanation on this verse. I'm not going to do that for all of chapter 5, I promise. If I did, it'd be about 43 stopping points, and that'd be kind of obnoxious, and we're not going to do that. But I'm going to stop on the first verse because I think it's important to set some context about what's going on. So a couple weeks ago, Siler talked on Mark chapter 4. And, and the main thing he focused on was an event where Jesus was on a boat with the disciples. And these disciples, we have to know, before they followed Jesus, a lot of them were fishermen, which meant that they spent a lot of their time on, on, on the sea, sailing, working on the water. And so they probably have experienced storms before. And in, in chapter 4, they experience a storm like none other, and they get terrified. And they go to Jesus, and they realize that he's sleeping. And so they're like, what, what are you doing? And a lot of the times in Mark, you'll see disciples co- totally confused and dumbfounded by Jesus' behavior. And this was one of the examples. Jesus comes up from the deck, totally not worried at all, and he calms the sea. And the, and the disciples, everyone who witnessed this, are amazed. They're shocked. And they start to realize that Jesus, this man that they have been following, there's something more to him. And perhaps the things that he's been saying, the things that he's been teaching, the person that he's claiming to be, perhaps he's actually correct. And these disciples start to realize that because he has power over nature, able to like rebuke the seas and tell it to stop and calm, maybe, maybe he truly is the son of God. So they're at this point, right? And this was all happened on the sea. And so now, verse 1 of chapter 5, the next chapter, we see they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. So they are literally getting off the boat from that event. Okay, so, so we pick up in this region. Another quick little note is the Gerasene, this region, is, is probably a place that isn't Jewish. And it, I'm just going to cover that really quickly because this means they, they, they probably don't practice Jewish tradition. They probably don't know who the Old Testament God is. And so these things that Jesus is saying probably are even more foreign to them because most of the time Jesus is quoting Old Testament scriptures. So he's going into a different land that he normally goes into. And these people don't really follow those scriptures that that Jesus normally interacts with, the, the people that he normally interacts with. So that's, that's verse number one. We're going to get into the rest of the story right now. And so follow along with me in, in verse two. It says this. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him, Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself 
with stones. Now, if you guys, were you guys reading along? This guy sounds terrifying, like horrifying from every account. So feel free to be afraid of him. And right off the bat, it says this. It says that he is filled with impure spirits. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that there is a demon inside of this man. This man is possessed by a demon. Now, let me say that again. This man is possessed by a demon. If that scares you, if that frightens you, it's understandable because culture today, every October, right, there's a paranormal activity 15 or, or the conjuring 12, but there were like, there's a story of a demon possession and it's supposed to invoke fear in you. So if I tell you that, that the Bible talks about demons and, and Jesus interact demons, maybe that, maybe that will scare you. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you what's in scripture. And Jesus interacts with this guy who is infested with demons. Along with that, this guy is also terrifying for a lot of other reasons as well, right? Like he is he's been bound by men like multiple times. Other accounts other than Mark that cover this story say that like he has supernatural strength and he's like throwing people and like people are trying to subdue him. And like, so like he's, he is like the outcast, like the, the biggest form of an outcast. He's living in tombs. He's crying, howling at the moon, cutting himself with stones. If people were to see him, I guess if a psychiatrist were to interact with this man today, they'd probably like throw some diagnosis like that he's got some mental problems, right? But what we do know for sure is that this man, the main problem he has is that he's infested with demons. He's infested with impure spirits. And so that brings me to my first point today. And it's this. Demons are real, okay? So we see it in scripture. We see Jesus interact with it. And that might scare you. But demons are real, okay? And I don't want you to, like, stop at that point. It's the very beginning of the message. We've got a lot to cover, and the story doesn't end here. So, so bear with me as we read along the rest of the story. It says this in, in, in verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Okay, so this man who was infested by demons, who's being controlled by demons, encounters Jesus, right? They, they come across each other. And so naturally what you'd think would happen is when an enemy encounters an enemy, they would clash, right? And a big epic battle would happen, right? You're, like, you're thinking that Jesus is about to roll up his sleeves and do some crazy things, and this, 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 this possessed man is about to go all out at Jesus, to throw his best hooks at him, right? But that's not what happens. Instead, this demon sees Jesus, and realizes who he is. He's not just a man, but he is the son of God, the son of the most high, and ultimately God, right? And so he, he knows what that means. And what does he do? He doesn't fight him. He doesn't try and attack. Instead, he gets on his knees and cowers in fear. And he asks God for mercy. He asks Jesus for mercy. So what does this tell us? This brings me to my second point. The first point was demons are real. But the second point is this. Don't be afraid that demons are real. Demons are real, and they recognize that Jesus, the Son of God, is real, and they fear him. And they, they ultimately bow down to him. They cower in fear. When they see him and encounter him, they, they're not pulling out their weapons to attack. They're bowing on their knees and recognizing who he is. Because Jesus commands that type of recognition and, and respect. Because he is the Son of God. He is who he says he is. So that's important to know. So what happens after this? Verse 9 says this. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. 
allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Okay, so the demons recognize Jesus. So there's multiple demons in this man. They see Jesus, they bow to their knees. Jesus grants them mercy and says, go into those pigs. And so demons aren't allowed to do anything that, that Jesus doesn't allow. So they're asking permission, pretty much, for, for them to do these things. And Jesus allows that to happen. So this tells us something about Jesus. So this brings me to point number three. Jesus has ultimate authority over everything and anything in this world. Okay, so, so not just the physical world, the nature, what we learned last time when Siler talked. He doesn't have just the power to, to calm seas and the power over us, but he also has power over everything in the spiritual world as well. So that means demons, Satan, everything. He is the top dog in that hierarchy as well. Everybody bows down to him. And it's important to note this because every single time in Scripture we see like a, an enemy, a demon, Satan, go against the spirit of, of, of God, whether it's in Jesus or in, in somebody else, Jesus always wins. The God always wins. Good always takes down evil. And the best example of this is in Revelation, right? Revelation is ultimately about good versus evil. Like, it's, it's, the, it's a reckoning day where, where God fights Satan, right? And there's a big, crazy battle in, in chapter 19 of Revelation. We're not going to get super into it, but what you, what you need to know ultimately about Revelation is there's going to be this battle, and Satan is going to go toe-to-toe with God, and Satan is going to hilariously lose, and they're going to be cast away, and evil is no longer going to be in this world, right? So we know that that is coming. And so that's why we don't have anything to fear when it comes to demons. When, when, we, when we think of demons, we should think of this story and be, be reminded of the fact that we follow Jesus, and Jesus has so much more power over these guys, okay? And that, that's really encouraging, and it's something that, that, we, that, that, that we should be encouraged by. That's why it's encouraging. <laughs> so that is important. And so finally— these people, these townspeople who aren't Jewish, hear about this story, right? And they get pretty freaked out. Along with that, too, anytime you see pigs in the Bible, especially during this time and in the Old Testament, these people probably aren't Jewish. Right? And so this means that, like, pigs are, like, valuable. And 2,000 pigs is a lot of resources and, and, and means of money and means of food that just go running off of a cliff. So this region sees, what Je- like, sees that Jesus shows up, and then they, they see that this scary man— is encountered by Jesus, and then these pigs go, go downhill. And so they're terrified, and they ask Jesus to leave. But what I want to focus on is in, chapter, in verse 15, it says this. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. So these people, these townspeople, were the ones who had seen this outcast, this man who was possessed by a demon, right? And so they tried to bind him, right? And, and Scripture says he broke out of those bindings. Other accounts say that he, he hurled men across supernatural lengths, right? Like, he is a force to be reckoned with. They, they probably heard him howling at the night and probably saw him in the tombs cutting himself and doing crazy things, right? But then after the encounter with Jesus— they notice that this man, they recognize him because physically he's still the same person, but inside something has totally been changed. And that's what happens to each and every one of you and, and myself as well when we encounter Jesus. We are an outcast. We, have been, we are alone in, to deal with our sin and we are failing miserably at that. We are howling at the moon like this demon-possessed man. I'm not saying that each and every one of you are demon-possessed. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is we are in need of Jesus. And when we encounter Jesus, we are changed from the inside out. 
we become new people. We look the same. We're recognizable physically, just like these townspeople could recognize this man. But we are changed from the inside, and we are new creations. And that's what happens to this man. And so this story ends with, G- with this man coming to Jesus and saying, I, wa- I want to come with you. I, I want to go where you go. And Jesus instead gives him a, a, a very interesting task. He says, no, I want you to do this. I want you to go back to your homeland and tell everybody what has happened to you. Tell everybody your encounter with me. Tell everybody where you were before you met me and where you are now. They will see it. These, these townspeople have seen it. But tell everybody. And that's exactly what he does. And I, I want to stop there and, and talk about this because when we claim to recognize what Jesus has done in our lives, we are given that same command as well. We have been changed. We were an outcast. We were changed from the inside out. And we are new creations. And one of the, one of the, one of the main commands that each and every one of us has from Jesus is to go out and share our faith. Go out and share how Jesus and our encounter with him has changed us. And it, that's, what, that's why it's called the good news. Because we go and say, like, we were blind people. We were howling at the moon. We were cutting ourselves with rocks. And now we met Jesus. And look at how I'm behaving differently. And so my final point with this story is this. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus can save you. Jesus will save you from whatever, whatever rock you're in, whatever struggle you have. Jesus will meet you there. And when you encounter him and you reach out to him, you will be changed. So no matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus will save you. Okay, so before we move on to the next story, these are the four points. Number one, demons are real. Number two, don't be afraid that demons are real. Demons know that Jesus is real and they're scared of him. So demons submit themselves to the Lord. Point number three, Jesus has power and authority over everything, over nature, over us, over, over the spiritual world, over demons. And point number four, no matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus can save you. And so Jesus hops on this boat and he goes across the Sea of Galilee to this new area. And that's where we pick up um, the, the, the second half of this chapter. And so as soon as he gets off this boat, He's with his disciples. He's met by this man who is an elder of, of, the, of the town synagogue, right? His name is Jairus, and he tells him, hey, Jesus, I have this daughter, and she's going to die. Like, I have faith that you can heal her, but I, can you please come with me to, to go to this, to go to my daughter? Jesus hears this, the disciples hear this, and he naturally says yes, and, and he starts walking to this place. Now, he probably is, he's probably is walking. He, he just got off a boat, so his means of transportation probably is just his feet. So as he's walking, as, as soon as he gets off the boat, he gets met with a crowd because as, as we've read along in Mark, we're at the point in Jesus' ministry where people know who he is. He's already traveled all throughout Israel. So either these people have already encountered Jesus or they've heard about him and they know that there's something special and they want to see the signs and wonders that he's been traveling doing. They want to hear his teaching. So as he's walking to this place, don't know how far it was, people are, there's a mass following him. Okay? And that, that's where we pick up in verse 24. It says this. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Okay, I want to stop here really quickly. So Jesus is on his way to 
save this girl, save this girl from the sickness. Like this man, this father is afraid that his daughter is going to die, so Jesus is heading there. And as he's going there, people are following Jesus. There's a crowd that's amassed, right? And then we meet this new character, this woman who has been subject to bleeding for the past 12 years. Okay, and so this is a Jewish area. So he's left the old Jewish. The, 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 non, the Gentile area, the non-Jewish area, and he's moved to a new region where, where they are practicing Jews, right? And in Old Testament law, practicing Jews, when a woman was bleeding, they would, they would leave that woman alone. They would, they would treat her as unclean and they wouldn't be around her. That was just the culture back then. So, so during a woman's cycle, while she was bleeding, they were seen as unclean. And so they, they, people wouldn't surround themselves with these people. Now this woman had been bleeding for 12 years nonstop. Normally, on a cycle, you bleed for a couple days in the month, and then that's over. But this woman, for some reason, whatever is going on, for 12 years straight, she has not stopped bleeding. And she's in a great deal of pain. She's suffering a lot. She's traveled to see doctors, right? And these doctors are, are seeing this case, and they have no idea what's going on. So she is, again, another outcast. She's not demon-possessed, but she is going through her own suffering alone. And literally, people aren't allowed to go around her, right? She is by herself, again, just like that man who we met in the first, in the first part of this chapter. She's all alone to herself, an outcast. And so finally, she sees this crowd, and she knows that there's no way to, to heal this, this problem that she has from, from doctors, but she hears that Jesus pulls up to her dock, like to her town, and she sees this crowd, right? And so she thinks... Let's go, let's go see him, right? So we pick up um, in verse 26, or 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt it in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? I love this response to the disciples, okay? When we read Mark in particular, we should always think that we are, like, if we're trying to figure out who we are in the story, we're most likely the disciples. Because the disciples are like humans, right? And they, they, there's a lot of times they're very confused and dumbfounded by what Jesus is doing. Like when he was sleeping uh, below deck during, during the storm, right? And so there's a, tons of crowds going on. People are brushing against each other, left and right. Who knows who's touching Jesus, right? But Jesus sees this happen. She feels it. Even though this woman doesn't even touch him, right? She just touches his garment. And he knows what happens. And he stops. And these disciples are like, are you nuts? Like, do you really want us to, are, you, are we really about to, figure out who just touched you because there's probably like a thousand people who just touched you in the past minute. And I just, I just love that response by them. And so then he goes on to say, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his, at his feet and, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." So this story shows us that this woman who is at her last hope, right? She goes to Jesus for her problem and her faith brings her to him despite the crowd, despite her pain. And she, all she does is simply reach out to him. She doesn't grab his attention. She doesn't even touch his body. She just grazes his garments, right? And she is healed. And it's because of her faith that heals her. That's important to know. 
But the story could have ended there. It could have been a great story of Jesus healing this woman that he didn't even know, right? Like that, that, that he didn't even know he did it. Like that, that would have been a really cool story. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus recognizes that this woman was desperate and he stops himself and turns around to see her and talk to her. And then he goes on to say that it's because of your faith that you will suffer no more. And he chooses to save her as well. See, Jesus was in the middle of doing something very important, right? Like we already said, he's going to heal somebody else. This, this little girl is dying, so we can all agree that like, he's doing something very important. And there's tons of people around him probably asking for questions, trying to stop him. But he's going, right? But then this woman grazes him, and he stops. And he sees her. And he intimately has this moment with her, a genuine moment. It, it, it kind of reminds me of, of this. Like the, the, the fact that Jesus is able to do that is it blows my mind, right? Like he's able to in- intimately have a moment with each and every one of you, just like how he has this moment with this bleeding woman. And it, it just reminds me of how I'm so not like that at all and how I'm so much more like the disciples because I just checked my Yahoo mail account, right? And it's, it's, it's been around since 2006. Like I, I think some of you, like Benji, what year were you born? 2005, 2006? Like whatever. You're, you're, it's probably like the same age as Benji, some of, some of these freshmen, right? I, I have, I, I wrote it down. As of 1 p.m. this afternoon, I have 37,071 unread emails, right? Now, if I were to try for the next, like, I don't know, five years, try and intimately give a moment to each of those emails, which is pretty easy to do. You just hit buttons. I probably wouldn't get through a fraction of those. And I have a lot of things going on, so I don't really have time to do that. And along with that, I have like five other email accounts with thousands of more unread emails, right? Most of them are probably spam and they're not important. But what I'm trying to say is that God has that same exact problem, right? Like, he has people constantly reaching out to him, constantly praying, constantly calling out to him, touching his cloak, right? This crowd has had thousands of people, most likely, brushing against him. But Jesus isn't like us. And he has the ability to interact with each and every one of you at a genuine, intimate level and meet you where you're at. All it takes from us is simply to reach out to him and brush him. All it takes for us to be saved by Jesus but to be saved by Jesus, to be saved from our suffering, is to simply reach out to Jesus like this hemorrhaging woman did in this story. I love this story because, because I was actually in this very area, right? So like as we look to 2021, right, we look back at 2020, and it was a pretty tough year, right? Like it, it, it's obvious for many reasons. I don't even have to get into it. But some of you might have even had a rough year despite all of everything, like the pandemic and the injustices. Maybe you guys personally went through a lot of hard things as well, and I can totally understand that. Or maybe you guys have had other years, right? And so for me, in 2017, that was my year. Like, I just, it, was, it felt like every month it introduced a new problem in my life. In the span of like three months at the end of, at the end of 2017, uh, my parents decided to get separated, right? And so that meant this family, I was like 22 years old, and this family that I grew up with was splitting apart. And that, that, that broke me up. And then on top of that, I was dating this girl who I thought I was going to marry, and she broke up with me, like, I, I, like out of nowhere, right? And that, that broke my heart as well. And then along with that, I, I left my church, and, and these connections that I had, that, it, that I had my whole life, because my dad was a pastor, I was saying goodbye to. And so in a very quick moment in my life, during 2017, I felt so alone. I felt so like an outcast. I, I felt like all these things that these people were feeling. It was the hardest, roughest year of my life. Then I go to Israel, right? I decide to go to Israel. And and I usher in 2018. And we're in this area that's believed to be the place where Jesus was during these stories. 
And we go to this church that has this painting. And you, you can put up the painting. I took a picture of the painting. It's a really cool... So this is the picture I took. And this is the actual painting, right? And it's, 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 this, it's depicting what's going on with this hemorrhaging woman. She reaches out to Jesus and she touches his cloak. And so I'm sitting there just going through excruciating amount of pain personally, right? Because of everything that's happened. My heartbreak, my parents splitting up, leaving churches. And I realize that the Lord, that Jesus knows me and knows me in these situations. Just like how he stopped for that hemorrhaging woman and healed her and then went on to talk to her and tell her that her faith has freed her. I was just, I was just like that. And this picture, like, maybe it's not that cool to you, but like when I saw it in Israel on the Sea of Galilee, like, it, it really spoke to me. And Jesus really touched me in that moment as I reached out to him. And I didn't even know it, but he was working in ways to meet me in my suffering that, that would, would later, later on show up and that I can look back at it now. Like, for example, when I took that picture, Christian was sitting right next to me looking at that picture. We had met on that trip. Christian is a, is a shig leader here. He's one of my best friends. Along with that, if I didn't go on this trip, I never would have met Jessica, this girl, that, this beautiful woman that I convinced to marry me somehow, which is insane. Like, she, like, I wouldn't have met her if I didn't go on this trip. In so many ways, the Lord met me in my suffering because he knew me, right? And he saved me. And so as we look to 2021, as we look back at this really tough year, I want to encourage you with these truths, right? Like, no matter who you are or what you have done, Jesus will save you. He can save you. Nothing will stop him from that. Not even a legion of demons. And then on top of that, no matter who you are, despite seven billion people being on this earth, Jesus knows you. You, you'll pro- you probably have heard that before. Jesus knows each and every one of you at an individual level. He knows what you are struggling with, what you are dealing with. And he, all it takes from you is just a little reach, a little grasp of, of, of his cloak. And you will be saved by him. So as we go into this new year, three days in, let's remember that truth. Let's remember the fact that we can be saved and that Jesus, the creator of the universe, the man who has power over everything and anything in this world, wants, wants to interact with you, wants to save you. All right, let me close this in prayer. And the band, you guys can come up as I close. Dear Lord, I thank you.